Welcome to Houndsy, a River Hounds podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and uh, with me today to break down a fun little weekend in Detroit and some couple games coming up, I got Vesti. Vesti, how you doing, man? Hey, doing pretty good. Uh, I just finished my CDC recommended quarantine from traveling from Detroit, and I believe my tetanus test came back negative. So good to go. Nice, nice, nice. And also to break it all down with us, we got the we got the birthday boy uh, Yak. Yak, uh, how's the birthday going thus far? Ghost, I'm delaying celebrating with birthday beers tonight just to be on this podcast. So I hope all of our lovely listeners are very grateful for my presence. I'm a little shocked you're in such a coherent state. This is a, a new level of maturity for you, Yak, may I say? I'm impressed. I celebrated a bunch of different days because this day was kind of booked for partying. So don't worry, I got it in. It just wasn't today. Nice. I, well, I'm sure you can spread out for a couple more days as well. So on the uh, on the, the old rundown today, we've got a, got a couple different things. We have obviously the... The 1-1 draw up in Detroit this past weekend. And then we have a preview about Loudon. And finally, for the first time in two years, we have some Open Cup soccer to uh, to discuss. Exciting times, isn't there? But let's kick it off with this past Saturday. The Hounds traveled up to Detroit for the first time ever. Took a 1-1 draw from uh, Le Rouge, if you will. Uh, that being the first, the first, how would you put it? The first goal conceded at home for Detroit in the in their USL tenure, so put that on the books for uh, for the big Dequa Energy. But uh, about thirty of us made the drive up there. Some went up on Friday. Most of us went up on Saturday. Uh, we did lose one vehicle in the process. Uh, Adam Marks had a bit of a, a an accident, I think, around uh, the Lordstown area. Uh, luckily everything was, uh, he was, him and all the pastors were safe. Just, just didn't get any drums or, or, uh, flags up to Detroit, but not a big deal. Key thing was that he was, he was safe and just had to just limp it back onto, down to Pittsburgh. Uh, Vesti, kind of a, a weird snowy mixy drive up to Detroit, but, uh, all safe on your end. Yeah, it was, uh, another wonderful week where it's in the sixties. Yeah, nice sunny day two before, and then come Saturday, winter shows up again. I think this is the second or third week in a row that that's happened. So, um, I don't know, going up to Detroit on a gray, cold, snowy day is probably thematically appropriate for, for the whole thing. Nice. Uh, took about, what, four and a half-ish hours to get up there. It was, it was me, you, and my brother. Got up there, dropped the, the car off at the hotel, went down straight to the the agreed-upon rendezvous point, which was the uh, Motor City Bar, Motor City Sports Bar, maybe was the proper name. Got there about 1.15, 1.30, settled on in. Uh, decent kind of neighborhood bar that I kind of wish I had in, in my neighborhood. But, um, yeah, just settled up to the, to the bar. People started trickling in and uh, got the first couple couple pops in us uh two or three dollar you're drinking were you drinking the Merrill lights were you on the uh the molson train uh no i was doing uh miller bottles where i think most of you guys had drafts yeah we were on the draft uh the draft run but uh yeah got the got everyone in there got everyone uh situated stayed to about three three fifteen or so did the walk 
made a little less than a half mile, half mile walk over to the stadium. Got to see our first look at, at Keyworth, the, um, I don't know if legendary is probably too strong a word, but the, um, I don't know. Fabled? Fabled, that's a great word. Fabled is, is a great historic. word. Historic. Historic. Uh, I was trying to get a little more, more glow than that, but Keyworth. Old. Funny enough, uh, so everyone else is going in like these main stands, and then all of us, we just shoot to this like little side entrance, uh, basically down like someone's sidewalk, um, get into the get into the stadium where the, the tickets don't actually scan, so they just have to take our names and check them off of a list. Uh, go get uh, your $6, $6 uh, Modelo Pounders, which was fine enough, and um, walk over into the section. What were your uh, what were your first thoughts on on Keyworth? Um, it was cool. Um, it's a, I mean, it's an old kind of rundown stadium, but that's fine. Um, it, you know, I feel you you can kind of feel the history in it. Um, it's cool walking down a, a street to get to it, not having to, you know, uh, walk along like a busy highway like ours or or have to go to the big parking lot or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a new stadium. Um, definitely is showing its years. Um, but, um, you know, makes, makes for, uh, you know, we, we thought it was going to be an intimate atmosphere going into it and it, it proved to be that. Yeah. Uh, we did, we posted a picture of the, the touchline to the, to the wall that we were in front of, uh, the touchline actually got kicked out a yard on each side because it needed to get to that minimum width. And so with the added on yard for the for the actual pitch from the touchline to the basically brick wall for the stands was four yards, maybe something. That uh, range. Man, I think it seemed thinner than that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it is tight. I mean, they put this little advertising board in between, which, which cuts down on the, the space even more. But uh, I mean, four yards at the most and probably not even that. Now that I think about it, uh, but no, it just tucked in the neighborhood. It uh, does have this, I mean, I know kind of falling back to just saying everything is English this, English that's kind of, of lazy, but it does have that uh, non-league uh, English feel of, of the field just being tucked into into the neighborhood. Um, so it made for yeah, it, a, a kind of a neat little field. Yeah, if it had a roof, you you know, it would look like it was in England. Um yeah, and they, they apparently are also big on the uh, the shipping container boxes on the one end. I don't know if it's been there for a while or if that's joining all the other teams doing that sort of stuff this year. Shipping containers are the new hotness in the USL. For apparently. sure. Shipping containers as premium uh, seating. And it looked like looked like Tuffy was in one of those shipping containers. But yeah, yeah, if it's good enough for Tuffy, it should be good enough for us, right? Well, he I'll has to sit it's good enough for him now. Win. Yeah, if he wants to sell them himself, he has to be able to sit in one. <laughs> But on the way over to the stadium, we got the first crack at the lineup, and I think everyone's eyes got got pretty big. It was something we talked about on the sh- on the show last week. Would this be the the rotation week for the keeper? I thought it was going to be another week away. Some other people thought it was going to be this week. Those people were, were right. But not only did we swap out the keeper, there was seven changes to the lineup from the one that. Opened up uh, Highmark Stadium this year against Hartford. Going into the lineup with Silva, Wheat, Borso, Dos Santos, Dequa, Rivera, Yabera. And then out was Vosvik, Mikel Williams, Sims, 
probably on injury. Dixon, as we found, might be on a little injury. Uh, Forbes, who was in the 18. Uh, Dan Brott sat down and Dan Kelly sat down. Again, of all those, um, uh, Williams was on international duty, swapped out the keepers. Sims picked up that knock against Hartford. Uh, and then what sounds like maybe a couple injuries during the midweek, and then the rest being seemingly just rotation for the sake of rotation. Yak, what was your, your thought when you saw this lineup? It gave me a little scare just to see – it's one thing I thought to see some of the big players not playing. That, that would, might have happened eventually. But for a couple of them to not be in the 18 was a little shocking. Um, I know they've been trying to get some more movement in there, and especially with the international duty guys all playing defense, they probably just switched it up back there a lot. Um, so putting uh, four in the back style in the back wasn't too surprising once I thought of it. I knew they had to get Rovira in there sooner or later, which unfortunately plays the same position as Danbrot, who I've thought has played very well the last two games, but Rovira's had was so hot in the preseason. They got to put him in there at some point. Um, so those are all my thoughts, but I also realized we've loved talking about the depth throughout the preseason in the first couple weeks of the year. It was time to show it off and see if we could make it work and actually get results with, uh, a heavily rotated set of players. Uh, yeah, and rotation there was obviously a lot of it. I had the same thoughts you have about Rivera. He was seemingly, as we heard, maybe it was a paperwork issue that kept him out the first couple weeks. I've been big on Danbrot. Rivera came in. Uh, I guess we'll, I'll get into his thoughts of how he played as well. But Vesti, where where was your mind at when you saw seven changes to to the people that opened up uh, Highmark last week? Yeah, I, I think in last week's episode, I, I said if we saw a lot of rotation, that might kind of tip the hand of what Lily thought of the opponent. And so it was surprising to see so much, um, but also, I don't know. Like Nobody thought Detroit was going to do much coming into the season. And yeah, they've, they've been probably a little better than expected, but I still don't feel like uh, a lot of people really give them much respect and not that they really deserve it at this point so i wasn't it was interesting but i wasn't necessarily worried about it um watching the game in person kind of at that low corner angle i after, right after the game I, I tweeted uh you know maybe a little rotated too much in person it seemed rough um that you know maybe they weren't used to each other or um you know whatever they just didn't play great but rewatching the game a bit yesterday, I actually think they played pretty good. Um, so I think that kind of really speaks to, I guess, how well they're doing in training. And if we are going to have games where we rotate quite a lot like this, I'm a little less worried about it. Um, you know, the, the guys who are in this week did get play time in the first two weeks. And I don't think anybody didn't play any minutes so far this season. Whereas in previous years, when Dilly would do rotation, sometimes that'd be the first time somebody sees a field, and then you're you know really wondering how they're going to be. So, so yeah, it was eye raising to see at at kickoff. Upon further review, um, I think it just really speaks to our depth this year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think I don't think, but I know of so of these seven changes. 
Three three of them were getting their first minutes of the year. Silva, Borso, and Rivera. Silva obviously as the as what is now the, the backup keeper. Borso on the academy contract in his first minutes uh, as a freshly turned 18-year-old, I guess now officially a man. I don't if we're going to go that way. And then Rivera, again, maybe a paperwork issue that brought him on the field. So of the seven, three were making their very first minutes of the year. The other guys were mostly, uh, saw some some minutes off the bench the first two weeks. Uh, Yak, was there any players that really stood out to you, either good or bad? Out of this game. Um, so the first 50 minutes when we controlled just about everything we could have possibly wanted, um, it, the, the, the line of, of Griffin to Rovira to Cicerone was a machine. It, it seemed like they were just passing the ball left and right and creating so many opportunities. Cicerone was doing so well in tight spaces, trying to kind of hold up as like an attacking midfielder role. I thought he did extraordinarily well, just thinking that wasn't necessarily his most common position. Um, Borso looked good in his first start ever, I think. I don't think he started last year ever, but I know he played. I, he, I think he got he got one last year, I believe. Uh, down in San Antonio sounds familiar. So yeah, that might be right. Um, he had two very solid crosses, extremely dangerous crosses. Um, the play from Rovira to Borso, I think that was around the halfway point of the first half. That was gorgeous. It's a shame that that wasn't finished, but that was an incredible save from Detroit's keeper. Um, at the end, I'll, I'll say at the end for the subs, I thought Luis Argudo was exceptional and Kenny Forbes looked pretty mediocre given his standards. I wasn't pleased for a while, I didn't remember hearing his name for like the first 10 minutes that he was on the field. Um, but Argudo impressed me a lot with his first 20 minutes or so as a hound. Yeah, that he was someone I, I, I wasn't, I only got to really watch him during the preseason game with Louisville and he, he didn't impress too much. Definitely a better showing this past Saturday. Uh, Again, Borso, I mean, just a, a big man. The, the guy that really stood out to me was Rivera. I, I was in our little group chat. Uh, chat. I, I noted he was like a hawk down that left side. And after a while, Detroit didn't, it seemed like they didn't want anything to do with them. They would, they would bring the ball up to their right a bit and then, and then almost immediately play it square across the, across the pitch to avoid dealing with with Rivera uh he and to me that can make for a very interesting dynamic if him and Dambrot are fighting for the same minutes at the same position because I'm enjoying what both they're not the same they're in the same that left wing back spot but they're they bring different elements to the game and I'm very excited to see how those two can push each other for minutes or if there's a way that Lilith can get both of them into the game because I think they bring different things and it's a shame that they might be canceling each other out in terms of who gets the minutes. Uh, Vesti, what uh, anyone really uh, pique your interest or uh, earn your scowl? Um, yeah, Rivera um, really looked like he didn't miss a beat um, after missing the first two games. 
um, you know, really happy to see him back and uh, yeah, he's, he's looking good. Uh, I really like seeing Dequa putting pressure on the keeper and the defense. Uh, I feel, I feel like a lot of times, you know, once they get the ball, we tend to drop back, um, cause we want them to come to us, but it, it seems like tactically there's a lot of, uh, emphasis putting on pressuring the defense and kind of looking for turnovers and things. And Dequa got pretty close a few times, so. You know, if not, if, I don't know if that'd be like that every game, but if if it's like something a, a tactic they bring in occasionally, it could definitely be uh, fruitful. You know, eventually something will go our way. But um, yeah, I didn't. On my rewatch, I didn't make it to the end when we started having the subs, so I can't really speak much on them. But just kind of generally speaking, for what I did watch, I, nobody really jumped out at me as like standout per se and nobody really jumped out at me as um terrible i think it was just a really solid kind of group effort um to really kind of hunker down you know let detroit pass it around but not get anything done with it and play more counter style than what we've seen uh, in the first two games so um so yeah not, not no real one person jumps out for me um I think I do have some issues with like the general tactical level of the game, um, since that was kind of where I was looking at it. But um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know if there's any other players you guys want to talk about, or we can start getting to that. I would only maybe the other thing I would point out. I thought Ardunia's. There was times where the the defense would let someone from Detroit slip in a little too easily with a little space left to right, and, and had a, a look at daylight. But Ordonez, anytime that happened, basically within three or four strides, had that gap shut down. And what looked like could have been a promising opportunity for Detroit turned into uh, a, a, a poor angle shot because they, they were pressured or just Ordonez taking the ball away or the ball ended up getting dispossessed and rolled back to, back to Silva. So on one hand poor marks on the back line in general for maybe giving them too much space for, for guys to run in on. And then on the other hand, Ordonez, when that did happen, just shutting it down again within three or four strides before guys even had a chance to really develop uh, with that with the ball at their feet. The I've other... had notes on previous week, but I don't think I've ever said them that I thought Ordonez runs very awkwardly. I kind of thought he was slow. So to see him just completely cancel out that on at least two occasions was very impressive. I didn't think that was something he had in his bag of tricks, but those shots just almost were awful. And I, once he, once I he got get in there, I where was you get it, because there's times he does look laboring. He looks like he's maybe shambling around the back line, uh, but not this past weekend. It, he was, uh, he was moving with purpose, if you will, with that back line and, and took what could be positive opportunities for Detroit and, and made them uh, either scuff their shot or just just give the ball away. The other name that I think everyone in our section was kind of muttering a little bit was was Silva, uh, the keeper. Probably not completely fair because that was a, for lack of a better phrase, that was a wind tunnel in there on that uh, on Saturday. It was it was whipping. Luckily, where we were standing kind of uh, shielded a little bit, but I'm sure in the middle of the pitch, it was it was not great. 
But there was a, a decent number of balls that he uh, just booted out of play. And I, I would also, you want to give some credence because of the win, but he booted them out of play both to the left and to the right. So uh, at some point, maybe the, that ball has to stay lower to the ground if you're clearing it out. Or you need to, after you have one or two miss hits, start compensating and, and figure out how to make it work. Because if you're putting three out of play, that's, I mean, that's three turnovers for no reason. So I, not great there. He did guess correctly on the, on the PK. Just it was too good of a, of a shot placed in the corner. He wasn't going to get to it, but guessed right. And that was that was the only shot on net Detroit had in the game. So for all the guys that did get a little loose through the back line, it didn't result on any actual shots uh, being on frame. Again, a positive, but um, it is a shame. They get one shot on frame on a PK, and that they convert for the uh, for the the only goal that they're going to need to split the points. Um, but so on, and that's how it goes. Uh, the air part that stood out to me: Do we have a? We might have a new shithouser uh, developing on the team in the in the form of Mark Yabera. Uh I don't think this, the Hounds have not really had that that gritty, cause disruptions, be a pain in the ass shithouse guy. Maybe since since Earl's, uh, but I, you're starting to see maybe glimpses of that come out with him. Uh, yeah, th- does that ring true to you? I think it's a little early for me to say. Um, he did get the yellow card, and he's he's he was much more aggressive in this game than he was I, since uh, since his first start back at the beginning of the season. Um, it's possible, but it just might be coincidence. Vesti, or or am I just seeing things, or is there do we have a potential um, potential new shithouser? And do you think we've had a guy that's really filled that role since Danny Earls? Uh, I think we all wish that um, Tony Walls and Josh Gad actually played to to fill that role because they seemed like they would have been that. But um, yeah, I don't think we've had anybody since Earls. Uh, I honestly can't say one way or the other um but if he is that's uh you know that's the kind of play or um personality that really endears yourself to the steel army so um i guess hope so <laughs> i like to watch that um watch him do that and then the, the last note on this game again the first half i think everyone could say was clearly for the hounds the second half fell most likely to detroit they got their one goal on a PK. The Hounds may be lucky, probably lucky, or just let's say it. They were lucky to only have the one uh, one penalty conceded. Dos Santos, uh, on that one replay, pretty clearly stuck out his left paw and knocked the ball away, which went out for a corner. So probably lucky was only only the one PK, the one that, that was called. Kind of just almost like a flat tire in the box, just, just caught him on the heel and... And there you go. Um, there was another shout for I think Hope No went down early in the second half, but that was that was not much to it. But your thought was the Hounds lucky only to, only to concede one penalty in that game, Vesti? I mean, obviously with the the handball, uh, they're lucky to get away with that. If if we had VAR at this level, it would have definitely been called back. Uh, all the other fouls, I, I feel like a lot of them were weak. Uh, there's that one in the first half with their striker, whose name escapes me, but he's, he's like their 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 big name, where um, 
he went down at the top of the 18 with the like lightest of contact. Um, I, I think they were getting frustrated at that point because it was, it was towards the end of the half and they just weren't getting any good looks. So, you know, he was trying to, to buy something so that they could, um, you know, have something to work with. But um, for the most part, I thought the ref was calling it fine. Um, you know, I, you know, lucky they get away with the handball. The actual penalty was an actual penalty. So I wouldn't say there's any other luck outside of that. Good. Uh, before we, we put a bow on, on this Detroit game, Yak, any final thoughts on those 90 minutes? I wish we were able to, I wish we were to put in a more complete performance. I don't know what happened after the first half where the field tilted so much the other way. Um, Especially because we were playing with the wind, I thought once we had switched fields, I thought, okay, we we got this in the bag. And it was it's kind of odd that the opposite of what I would think naturally. Both teams played very well playing into the wind. Maybe that's just a coincidence, but a little disappointing that the second half looked so eh. We were in some ways lucky to get away with a point. Fessy, what uh, what what thoughts do you saw on this game? Uh, so I actually kind of saw it as the opposite with the wind um I, you know rewatching it i was actually getting kind of annoyed with how many high crosses we were trying to do and then having the ball go five yards and then just immediately stop in the air um i feel like we while we you know dominated the first half and then some of it i i did feel like on the offense we struggled a bit getting or adjusting to the wind and adjusting to the field size. Um, you know, in the first two games, we saw that we really like to work down the wings, but Keyworth is an incredibly tight um, width, as we talked about. And there are more than a few instances where we would send the ball out to the wing, either like ahead of the guy or like across or whatever, where if the field was another yard or two wider, it would have been fine. But since it wasn't, it either go out of bounds or like right over the head or whatever, or they just they could control it in bounds. Um, and and then you know again, kind of working down the sides, it kind of necessitates crossing into the box and stuff. And uh, you know the wind really took the ball a few times. So I, I feel like we we defensively we were fine, but like offensively we struggled to 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 play to the environment, which I think really hurt us getting the killing blow and, and having good quality chances outside that uh, that corner. Um, I, I think if we played a high mark, we probably would have put another goal or two in and, and would have came that way with a, uh, a win instead of a draw. So do you, do you guys think, I guess we'll wrap up the Detroit game on this, given given the the seven players rotated out, Given the complicating weather factors, was a draw a, a fair result, or or was this two points two points dropped by the Hounds? Vesti, what do you, is this a point earned or two dropped? So going into it, I would have been fine with the draw. Uh, I had a feeling it was going to be a slow kind of slog of a game because of the weather. Um, it wasn't as wet as I was expecting, thankfully for us. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I would have been fine before the game. I would have been fine coming out of it with a draw, um, like a zero, zero draw, but 
the fact that they really had no quality shots on net or, or any, um, if the stat, if I remember the stat right, and that the only reason why they got a goal was because of a penalty, I feel that's points lost. Yeah, do you agree? Hounds dropped two. Point on the, a point on the road in this league is almost always going to be acceptable. There are very few places where that's like you should expect to win, and Detroit's not going to be one of them. Um, at, at worst, I think they're a mid-table side, and getting a point there is perfectly fine. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with the point overall. When I woke up Saturday morning, I was feeling fine. Um, and I, I felt it's, it's a win, it's a win, it's a win. Then you see the seven, you see the heavy amount of rotation and you, I went worst case scenario immediately. Um, at no point in that, from the time I woke up Saturday through maybe the 85th minute, did I ever think a draw was a not even a likely result, like was even a, a possibility. I Someone was winning this game, no doubt in my mind. I just was not sure who. And then all of a sudden we get to the 90th minute and we're going, oh, we're actually going to split points here. And then uh, the last, uh, I want to say it was three minutes of added time in the second half. Not much happened and um, they really split the points. Looking back at it a couple hours later, I'm... I felt fine with a point on the road to Detroit, given the rotation, given a couple guys getting their first minutes of the year, which is better to get those those minutes in now um, and kind of build into the season. Uh, so I I do f- look at the opportunities they had in the first half, and then maybe getting a little lucky on some non calls in the second half. I'll just go with. The point seems fair, but if I had to go between, was it a point gained or two dropped? I, I kind of feel like it was two dropped. Um, I and I look forward to Detroit coming here in the first part of June. Um, I, I hopefully we we see what um, what a Lily team could do uh, to them at, at home uh, with a full roster with with more options available to them. I will say one one last comment. It was uh, on the rewatch. It was funny listening to they have home announcers that they're not league provided, and they kept talking about, um, especially in the first half, like, "Oh, we haven't seen Detroit like this before. They're they're sloppy. They're not getting their looks. They're this that and the other thing. It's unusual." And it's just like, "No shit, it's unusual." You you went from running a league, basically running the league for the last couple of years, um, to joining the bigger pond where you actually have good teams to play against. <laughs> But at the first part of that, they did acknowledge there was an obvious step up in class and talking about how quickly guys were getting shut down and, and the space was closing up quickly. So that they acknowledged why that, that gap existed, but they, they did reference it seemingly every five minutes in that first half. But Every time they gave up the ball, I was like, oh, that's, that's unusual for that guy. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, I, don't need to hear, I don't need to hear that for 45 minutes. But you, But you did. Yeah, but I'll still take that over some some someone watching from the from Tampa and something happens off camera and they don't know what what it is because they can't actually see it. That that game's gotten old real fast. But outside of the the game itself, of Detroit, there was uh, some other shenanigans, 
some other happenings, some other goings-ons that uh, that went down that that day, and it mostly revolved around my doings. So I'm going to, as best I can, I will describe what happened, um, and then I'll, I'll do my best to kind of leave uh, my my actual thoughts on it alone, um, and then I'll let you guys both have your uh, your say on it. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, or whatever. Um, and all this, I again, I want to emphasize this is going to be me speaking for me, not on behalf of, of the group or on behalf of anyone else. This is this is me speaking for me. Um, but what happened was, is we got to the bar at Detroit, and it's time for our typical uh, boots on the ground post. And... Whenever we do that, I always grab a photo, not with anyone in it. Uh, it's always just kind of where we are at the moment. Um, so it's been something either outside the stadium or something near the hotel. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, never anyone in the photo. If there is, it's they're at a distance. Uh, it's just kind of this kind of scene-setting photo I like to put out there. And so I went outside the bar and... I either had um, this kind of uh, somewhat rundown plaza to my left, uh, kind of down the street into a, a, an older church. I think it looked like it was a church, kind of down the middle. And then there was an alleyway to my right. Uh, kind of surveyed the three, and I went with the alleyway, took that photo, uh, did the, the boots on the ground, showed, showed a couple people in the bar. I'm like, hey, let's see what we got going on here. This, you know. Not the most, um, not the most glamorous photo of of uh, of where you of where you're at, but uh, kind of fit the the mode of what we do for the the boots on the ground photo. Did you know boots on the ground? Add photos and boom, um, and then go about our day at the uh, at the bar, and then we leave to go to the stadium and get to the stadium, get in there, and all that kind of stuff. And I am I'm thoroughly enjoying kind of the the scenery. It is as mentioned before. It's a small stadium nestled in in a neighborhood. Um, there's basically some some houses uh, behind the one stands. There is kind of an open field to the right, baseball field there, um, and then. On the left-hand side, from our perspective, on the left side, it's a it's a school administration building actually, which actually opens up into the stadium. If you went to where you get the the food and tacos, you actually you'd see the like the school administration building sitting there. Um, and so I took a couple pictures, one from the top corner of the stands, uh, boom, kind of getting the the wide perspective of Keyworth, and then turned around to show um, that it's. I mean, right dab smack in this in this neighborhood. I mean, right up against some houses. Um, and then just put on the the tweet uh, photo of Keyword Stadium and photo of, of right behind Keyword Stadium. Something to that effect. Uh, hit send. Boom. Um, and let that go. Checked at halftime. Uh, some and then like the first came comment came in that um, thought we were trying to be disparaging towards towards Highmark or towards or not Highmark Keyworth, 
or disparaging to the the neighborhood in general. I didn't think much of it. Like that's kind of a, you know, I was the photo was taken in this idea of showing how nestled in this stadium is. Um, but then by the time the game was over, shortly after the game was over, the the prevailing thought of this was disparaging towards Keyworth had taken off, and then it was just quote tweet city, uh, reply city, uh, ratio city, if you will. Uh, at that point, it was you know the 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 storm had you know the avalanche had started, wasn't going to stop, um, so on and so forth. So I still didn't think much of it. Like you know, it's not it's not what I was going for. Was I being a little poking the bear a little bit with the foes, you know, the, the boots on the ground? Absolutely, but I think we've done that a lot of times. Uh, so the one that got all the attention, though, was not meant to be this thing. Now, what I could have done differently is maybe better clarify, hey, just this is where the stadium is, or maybe um, just for perspective type thing, may clarify it with that. I also was trying not to be too outwardly positive of Keyworth slash Detroit, considering we're just about to play them in a game. So you're not trying to bring that vibe to uh, to the timeline right before the ball gets kicked off. But uh, maybe in retrospect, that could have been something that would have helped clarify the situation. But as it is, did not do that. Um, more and more angry got pulled in there. I probably dug my heels in a little bit and said, no, I didn't, no, they're misinterpreting. It's nothing I said wrong. And, and uh, I think anyone who has known me for a while will know for sure. Uh, I will I will dig in deeper the further it goes uh, and just put my head down and, and bury through it. But, uh, and then it just kind of blew up, blew up from there. I uh, let it go overnight. Um, and then by the next morning, it was pretty well out of control, uh, especially for as USL uh, USL supporter groups tweets go. Um, lost track of, of how many you know comments and quote tweets it was getting. Uh, put out a, another tweet trying to clarify it without directly apologizing for it. That may have just actually brought more more gasoline to it. Uh, and then by the time uh, we were in the car driving home. Uh, the decision was made um, to uh, to just delete a uh, blanket apology and move on. So that was that how that played out, and then uh, a little fallout since, but uh, it's kind of quieted down the last day or so. Now, Yak, you were not at the game. You were back in Detroit. You weren't involved in the kind of the discussions around the you know the the barcade after the game where this was going down. What? How did you perceive it? Uh, from where you're at. So I was in a bar, not in Pittsburgh and not in Detroit with no intention to watching the game. When I saw the tweet pop up a couple minutes earlier at that point, you know, you steel army account was not being ratioed or anything at that point. I just saw the tweet and it said, this is keyword stadium. This is what it looks like behind it. It looked like an update to me more than anything. I thought nothing of it. I thought we're here. Yins. Cool, fine. It looked cool. And this is also what I expected from it because I kind of compare Keyworth a lot to Couple Stadium. 
they're both in the middle of like their neighborhoods surrounded by not like nightlife or scenes but it's just in the thick of the neighborhood so like okay it's right there it's in people's backyards fine i thought whatever and i didn't get to see any of the commentary towards it until it had gotten pretty well out of control that night several hours after the game so I think Tony from the Steel Army had probably my favorite point from this. He said, we are responsible for how our words land, regardless of how they're intended. And that's a fair criticism. I know you did not intend what ended up happening. Once the ball got kind of rolling with what the things the tweet didn't say, we lost the plot. And that happens, but it needed to be corrected somehow. Um, I think it was a little stubbornness that might have delayed it delayed the acknowledgement of what was happening. And I want to empathize with that because Lord knows I've said or thought or acted on things in my 26 years of life that in reflection aren't right or bad and more objectively bad than this, which is just kind of a miscommunication thing. But I want to, we have to grow as people, I guess. So if somebody is accusing me of punching down to someone, which is which is what the narrative end up being, right? It was more of like, it would look like a classist thing. Um, and since the Steel Army account speaks for me here, it speaks for all of us, that is that is basically me saying we're pun that is that is people telling me that we are punching down. So I would have to at least listen as to why. Um, I understand what you were trying to go for in the first apology tweet. Um, wasn't really apology tweet and it did make things worse. Um, it was, it was kind of half fast. So I want to talk about the second one because it was fine. It was good. And I have a thing here of more about learning things. Uh, the words you used were, well, the original spirit of the tweet wasn't intended to be disparaging. It's kind of like, uh, it kind of sounds like political doublespeak a little bit. It's better than saying something like we didn't mean to offend for sure. But um, so much would have helped if the apology tweet, in my opinion, said something like what the original intentions were, which is what I think you just told us. It would have helped a lot to smooth things out. Can you like what were you trying to highlight? Um, let, me, it's, let, me, it's just, uh, let me stop go you ahead. right there only because for clarification, I the apology tweet was not my writing. At that point, I was on the road. Uh, so I saw the actual apology tweet or tweet thread. It was two tweets, which the Steel Army Council never done like an actual thread thing before. That annoyed me a little bit, but again, so I, anyways, the, uh, the, the, I did not write the apology. So that I cannot hold my hand up to one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I guess to end it all, um, In my eyes, like if the original tweet had maybe like like six more words in it and I don't know, a more flattering camera angle, I don't think any of this ever happens. Cause again, I don't think that's what that, that wasn't what you're going for. I didn't see it. I thought it was just kind of a picture of the neighborhood. So I don't know. Um I was surprised by the reaction. I don't think it was warranted. I could also learn a thing or two. So I kind of oscillate between like, I am pissed off that this happened. And also like, 
I wish we were better. I, I don't know what to I don't know what to think, but I think I got all the thoughts I wanted out at least. All right, now uh, Vessi, you were you were in there in the thick of it with me. Uh, car ride out, car ride back. Uh, one of the few people who who's been in this group longer than me, uh, and now no longer on the board directors. Uh, Vessi, where where are your thoughts in on the the weekend at Detroit, tweet wise? Yeah, so uh, you know I'm not on the board anymore. I don't run any accounts. So um, just like Yo said, this is. You know, my me speaking for me and not for the steel army or anybody else um i've known dan for quite a while we're good friends you know i know he's not it, when he wants to shit talk and like deliberately insult or whatever he doesn't shy away from it it's not going to be of some vague tweet it, it, you're, you're going to know um so in the moment you know i didn't think anything of it i honestly still think it's such a benign thing and um despite you know what happened and uh, I mean, the, 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 it is what it is at this point, I guess my general feelings on it is more that I was honestly, I'm still honestly shocked that there was that kind of reaction from the Detroit supporters, uh, for the supporters group that has famously chanted and talked about how no one likes us. We don't care. They cultivated this social media presence of fuck this, fuck that, you know, fuck you. That uh, such a benign picture and tweet would just send them off. Um, it, it was just really surprising to see and to really like immediately jump to the worst possible read of that tweet. You know, I. I didn't realize if you're going to take pictures of where you're at, you have to go find the best angle possible. Like that, that was literally the pictures from the top of the away sporter section. It's not like you even went to a different part of the stadium to take that picture. That was where we were at. If you sat there and looked around, that's what you saw. And in fact, there was probably even, if you looked at the other direction, saw the abandoned warehouses, like that's probably even worse looking, you know, we walked through the neighborhood going there before I thought it was fine. Like there's a dozen places like that around Pittsburgh. It's fine. It's, it's no big deal. It's nothing to be ashamed of, you know, and I think that's also probably why it, we didn't think anything of it because there is so much like that around here. Like we're used to it. We're not coming from, I don't know, San Francisco or Silicon Valley or something like that. Like these cities aren't that different. So like, you know, I don't, I see those photos. It doesn't set me off. And, and so I was shocked to see it set other people off. Um, you know, getting past the the pictures of the neighborhood and the stadium itself, uh, you know, I think what really annoyed me was that the boots on the ground photo became a casualty of this as well. Um, you know, that it, taking a picture of an alley is the most, to me, a benign, tongue in cheek, calling your sh city shitty. Like people trash talk cities all the time, calling each other shitty. Like I. I didn't realize American soccer got so friendly that you can't do that anymore. Um, and I realized it was to some people I saw it as a one, two combo, but again, not seeing anything wrong with the second one. I don't like I, the, the first one being a problem too, just blows my mind. Like, it just seems like everybody's gotten real soft about shit talking all of a sudden that an empty alley is too much. Um, and 
I'm sure this will ruffle some feathers too, but locally I'm a little disappointed in some of the reaction. You know, we, we, again, are shit talking Detroit all week, comparing them to a yippy little dog, you know, that we don't care about them. And then all of a sudden we, we care about, again, what I think is their bad takes or, or the wrong take. And it's like, you know, even across the league and, and especially locally, people really clamor for rivalries. They want a rivalry. And we haven't had a local team in, in years now to be able to have a rivalry. We're, we're second fiddle to Louisville and Indy and Hartford's too far and Loudon's a city two team. Like, like, I don't know what people think rivalries are these days. Like a tongue-in-cheek chant in the stadium and you go clink beers in, in the parking lot. Like, like, you know, shit-talking each other is part of that. And if, like, again, what I was intended to be versus benign tweets like sets people off and then we have to apologize for it that's that's like like how do you that doesn't that doesn't scream rivalry to me it's just i don't know like everybody wants cleveland to come into the league i'm not worried what that's going to be like if i say cleveland's shitty am i going to get dragged on twitter about it so like i don't know it, it just seemed like it it got way out of hand for nothing. And I just personally, it's, I don't know. I just don't get it. But, you know, I don't speak for the Steel Army anymore. Or I never, I never really did anyways, but that's just my opinion. Well, on that, we will, uh, what I hope, at least until, uh, until uh, Detroit comes to town, first part of June that will uh will that'll wrap the bow on on the social media shitstorm of uh of the first away day at Detroit. And now we need to uh we need to not look backwards but look forwards to what's gonna be the first uh two game week of the season. And that's gonna kick off this Saturday hosting Loudon. Uh the aforementioned shitty two team Loudon. Uh, but not shit so far this year. They're actually two oh and one seven same record, same point point total as the Hounds. Maybe more remarkable than that is they have not yet conceded a goal, and they've only conceded short four shots on target. Um, so again, hard to, to gleam too much because the the all the trappings that come with a two team. But uh, good days, good early days so far for for Loudon. Uh, Yak, what are you looking at? So Loudon has been awful for basically their entire existence. They were kind of like some sort of dark horse last year because their offense was very capable. Their expected goals was always like very close to high to league. It's just their finishing abilities were just always completely shit. Um, that's been a bit different this year. Um, their offense is now putting balls in the net. And what I don't know which one's more shocking, but their defense has been extremely stout. Their expected goal, dif- their expected goals allowed is half of ours. Um, They've reloaded with a couple new players. Um, they have a very good center back by the name of Grant Lillard, who came from Chicago Fire, I think. He might be their best player. They have two guys who are very dangerous on the left side. Um, Azad Liadu, who's had a very good start to his USL championship days after being promoted from the South Georgia Tormenta. And also this individual named uh, Sammy Gudiri, who... Leads a team with chances created and has played every minute but seven 
for Loudon, but he missed seven minutes because he got a red card. So we're not going to see him in Pittsburgh. That's going to be a big loss for Loudon. Um, I expect it to be kind of tight because of that. Vesti, what's uh, what's your early scout report on on yield um, Detroit two or not Detroit two shit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell, uh, DC two. Um, not nearly as in depth as Yak. Um, you know, I, I look at who they played first two games. Apparently, Indy's going to be real bad this year, um, and Red Bulls too, which they've been on a slide for a couple seasons now. So I don't look at those wins um, and really put much thought into them. The uh, the zero zero draw against Miami, I think, raises a bit of eyebrows because uh, I think a lot of people expected Miami to be pretty good this year. Um, they splashed the cash in, in the off season and, and brought back um, you know a lot of their pieces from last year. So getting a draw against them is definitely a good result. And going like even though with Indy being bad and, and rules Red Bulls being probably bad, uh, going three games without conceding yet um, is really impressive those games against like Red Bulls too and, and other two teams, they those usually end up becoming goal fests just because of the rotation and stuff. So um I feel like I I don't I haven't looked at the the stats much. A lot of people have said their stats look really good this year. I feel like in the past they have always been on the cusp. Um that they, they would play teams hard, they'd be in close games. Is always like, oh, they, they probably, you know, didn't get a result here because they got rotation uh, a ton, you know, that week or the day before they, they got like five guys that they were forced to play. So, um, like, again, not, I, I don't, not following them too much. So I don't know if that's happening this year and they're still doing good or if they're actually having some roster consistency. But um, I, I think it's going to be a lot more of an intriguing matchup than I expected going into the season. Yeah, I uh, I took a kind of deeper dive on this, the game they just played last weekend against the Miami. Um, I tried to ignore the the first two games, which uh, I believe were both against other two teams. So yeah, they're against Hotlanta too and Sugar Free. So ignore those. Go into uh, so they're playing on the road at the Miami. Uh, basically, all they they sat not all they did, but they sat back in a what looked like a three five two. They absorbed. Uh, and just tried to counter as best they could, and uh, and they did not allow a goal on target. Uh, they got a couple shots up themselves. But if you look at the possession stats and where the game is played, the game is played in Loudon's, Loudon's half almost exclusively unless they can they can get something breaking on the counter. Um, my thought is we'll, we'll probably see something similar where they're just looking to absorb, uh, get guys back, quasi-park, and then try to counterpunch as best as possible. Hopefully, hopefully that happens just so my analysis can be correct and I can point and say, oh, look, I, I picked it out correctly. But you have to think they're going to play teams like Pittsburgh and Miami when they're both on the road, play them in similar ways. Um, as mentioned, the, the Guideri uh, red card might change things. He's been a solid player who, again, played everything except uh, the minutes where he got, he got his marching orders last week. So... Could make for a more interesting game than we typically would have against uh, against Loudon, but uh, it is home. It it is a two team. It is Loudon, uh, and Bob likes to uh, you know go all fuck them kids on that, and hopefully it happens again this week. But that is not the only game this week coming up 
for uh, for Bob and Co. Because next Tuesday, for the first time in two years, we get some open cup action live in your face. And this second round matchup is going to feature the Maryland Bobcats coming to Highmark Stadium. Again, that's Tuesday, 7 p.m. Uh, there's two there's two second round games kicking off at seven. They're the first uh, the first games of the second round. So maybe a couple extra eyeballs on uh, on Highmark Stadium on ESPN Plus, waiting for other games to kick off. Uh, so far this year, Maryland uh, the NISA side their schedule opened this past weekend. They drew one uh, one all against uh, Chattanooga. This Saturday they got they're going to Flower City Union, which is uh, the new NISA team out of Rochester. Uh, in terms of, of names you might recognize, Kay Banjo, former Hound. He is now a Bobcat. He's been there for the last uh, two years, I think, now. And uh, I tried to look any information or stats I could find about this game at Chattanooga this past Saturday. And the NISA website is a piece of shit, so I got nothing for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, could you, were you able to maybe, I don't know, find some source code on that website or find something about them, may find some grainy black and white video of them. Man, this thing snuck up on me so much. I didn't even realize that we had an open cup this week. And I also, even if I did, I would have thought we would have at least gotten next week to talk about it, but I know nothing about them. Um, they're so like they were average last year in NISA, both in the spring and the fall, like middle of the pack, Five wins, five losses, eight ties. Three wins, two losses, three ties. Super average. Um, they were a very good amateur team, from what I call when the draw was first announced. Um, they won a championship, so they decided, hey, let's see if we can make it up to the big leagues and pay our players and move up to NISA. Um, but I know nothing else besides Kay Banjo was probably their best player during their, uh, their last amateur year. Um, I see their... Uh, their supporters group pop up on Twitter from time to time. Now that we were matched up the old Bay brigade. Um, they're obviously not that far away from us. It's on a Tuesday, but hopefully we see some uh, fresh faces come up to Highmark from uh, that group. Yeah. They see tried, what it's like they tried talking a little smack, didn't they? I, if I remember, it wasn't anything particularly good or interesting, but they tried. Um, so good on them. Uh, Vesti, do you have any uh, in source like sources deep in the uh, the Maryland Bobcat system they can share some insight? Absolutely not. Um, I <laughs> I never know anything about these amateur teams that come to the stadium. Uh, the only they're not amateur anymore, the... man. They're they're fully professional. Whatever. Yeah, that, yeah. With the most professional league. Um, the only thing I know about Maryland soccer was the incredibly fun time that the, uh, the army had an away trip in like, I guess it was 28 or 2008 or 2009. When we went and saw Real Maryland Monarchs against the Riverhounds. Um, but yeah, I don't know anything. So it's not going to matter. You know, we'll, we'll get by them hopefully. Or right. not hopefully, we will. God, I, I shouldn't couch that. Fucking hell, man. Look, now you're just looking to, to, to hedge every, every line you have to say now. I'm sorry. Sorry, man. No, I, I want rivalries. I can't hedge anything. I go. gotta say, fuck them. That's the spirit. So I, I assumed you guys were gonna know much about Maryland because uh, if, if the research I tried to do wasn't gonna do anything, I, I assumed you guys would be equally futile. So I brought two Open Cup related questions 
uh, for you guys to try to answer. We'll start one with this. We mentioned before that there were seven players switched out between the Hartford game and the Detroit game. Will there be more or less, or possibly the same, amount of rotation between that the seven guys between Hartford and Detroit or the number of changes between Loudon on Saturday and the Bobcats on Tuesday? Festy. Um, I need to defer this question. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was looking at something. <laughs> uh, the teacher called on me and I wasn't paying attention. Uh, are you are you asking me over under seven different lineup changes? Okay, let's let's make Saturday well, to Tuesday. Well, let's make it nice, nice. Well, let's call it. Let's put the line at six and a half. Over and less than over or under six and a half changes between Saturday against Loudon and Tuesday against the Bobcats. Uh, over. Let's do it over. Over. Okay. Now you think it's going to be a. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll save that question. Maybe we'll use that for retrospect next week after the after the the two. Can't even call it a six point week. You have to call it just a two win week. Uh, okay, you gave you a few moments to think about it. Vesti, six and a half is the line on changes between Loudon on Saturday and the Bobcats on Tuesday. What do you what you got? Uh. I, I'll go with the over. Um, I think, from what I remember, it's been so long now since there's been an Open Cup game. Uh, Bob usually rotates quite a bit. Um, I honestly am unconvinced he takes it seriously anyways. So I could see a lot of uh, a lot of change just to get guys minutes. And with that statement, Vesti, I don't know if you meant that to be intentional or you're just giving me the perfect setup for my second question here. Maybe. But, oh, you the man. I, I knew we were buddies. Uh, and that question being, there is a big change to the big but subtle change to the Open Cup scheduling format this year. In previous years, teams would know what was waiting for them in the third round if they won in the second round. I.e., the winner of this game will host a game against Team X or the winner of another matchup. Likewise, you might know that hey, if we win this, we're going on the road to play at this place, or we're going to play the on the road to play the winner of this game. So you knew what was waiting for you on the other side. Now there's two notable changes. One, MLS teams are most of MLS teams are coming in in the third round, except for the teams that made the Champions League and, and a couple other high performers from the previous year. So most of MLS comes in in the next round. The other part of that is that the draw for the third round happens next Friday, the 8th, after the game's been played. So you don't know what's waiting for you if you win. So my question with that is, does a USL team, and let's just we'll just use the Hounds as an example. You could probably take any, you know, re- standard USL team. Do you think their choices in lineup will change because they don't know what could potentially be waiting for them in the next round as opposed to what their lineup would be if they knew, hey, you win this game and you're going to be hosting MLS side XYZ uh, a couple weeks from now? And looking at that kind of more in-depth, is that change what the, what the coach does? Does there start becoming maybe pressure from 
from the ownership or the front office to, hey, we, we have a nice payday coming in terms of ticket sales if we win this game. We need to, we need to make this a priority. How much of that do you think could, would play into this if, if the draw was still before the games are played in, as opposed to after? What are your thoughts, Vesti? Yeah, so like I said, I I never, I mean, it's kind of a small sample size because it's only been two, um, or I guess maybe three matches uh, under Bob. But I, I never really got the impression that he cared that much. He just would kind of do his own thing and, and rotate guys for um, as needed. Although in past years, the schedule was probably a little more congested. I mean, this is this season we're really spread out with almost all weekend games. So maybe there's less need for it. But um, yeah, I, I so yeah, I never got the impression that he cared that much to like upend league play to put out the, the uh, like a league first team, and I also never have never really gotten the impression that our front office puts a lot of pressure on Bob for for anything. Um, it, it seems like you know obviously they're the front office would love to have MLS come here. And the um, but I, I feel like there's a kind of a mutual respect between the two, and Bob just does what Bob does, and we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Vesti, it was a long-winded question I asked before. I'm not re-asking the question. You already know what it is. Yes. What is your answer? Neutral me thinks we're not going to even notice because our depth is so fine. We're gonna look at the rock. We're gonna look at the lineup on Tuesday and think this could be our starting eleven. Like it's not gonna. It's just who it is. Um, but the inner me, if Bob Lilly for some reason is listening to this podcast, it's the magic of the cup, baby. Go for broke. <laughs> that was and, that uh... was good. One person pleading. That's good work there. I like it. And uh, you said that the uh, that that draw happens after the game. Yes, you got to think you got to put an asterisk about that because we already had two successful protests and replays happening. Who knows what will? Uh... No, no, uh, one successful protest, one weather delay restart. But there's still full replays. On and there. also so two, one two forf- replays. So two replays. And but also one, one forfeited game that uh, was that, played anyway. That they played. It was a forfeit. And they still played it as an exhibition and didn't tell anyone until after the fact. I love the Open Cup. Yeah, it's been a bit, bit wild in the first round. With that said, so here's my plea to everyone who's listening. If you have to pick one game to go to, do the Open Cup game. It's always more, it's much more interesting. It's much more wild. Uh, the absolute diehards are the ones that show up um, midweek for, I mean, normally it was typically an amateur team in the second round, but uh, it will now be a professional team. And then... There was another side question of that, and I forgot to write it down. It's annoying me that I forgot to write it down. Uh, hopefully, it comes back to me here in the next few minutes. But maybe. is it about is it about squad rotation in comparison to this week's game, like it, Detroit? Uh, no, it wasn't about that. It was it was something else. Um, it was Open Cup adjacent, and now it's absolutely bothering me that I can't remember what it was because it was another kind of more interesting like deeper dive nerd question but i'll remember do we think the river hounds will do we think the river hounds will be in the concacaf champions league next year when we win the open cup 
They'll find a way to keep us out that time as well. I'm very excited for uh, Club America to come to Highmark Stadium. I fully expect if a USL team somehow actually did it for there to be shenanigans to prevent them to actually getting in Champions League. Oh, there'd be there'd be also like stadium standards or something like that that would magically be just above the threshold, whatever team made it to be actually be in there. Somehow those those Central American teams will make it, but the USL team won't. We'd have to play in LA like New York City does. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, our games would be in Columbus or something. Shame, shame, shame. Uh, but since I can't think of where I'm gonna remember this as soon as I get done recording, it's gonna Oh, it's going to, I should have written it down, but I was afraid of making pen sounds. Damn it! Oh well. Well, let's uh, let's start to put a bow on this on this bad boy and go with our our favorite uh, episode ending question. Uh, what did we learn tonight? And I scared Vesti with the question last time I did this, and uh, Yak, you always seem better prepared with this one. So, what did we learn tonight, Yak? <laughs> I think I need to go to Pittsburgh's version of the barcade. That sounds alcohol plus video games and pinball sound like a good time that I have not taken advantage of enough. And I know it's here somewhere. I just got to go do it again. There's enough uh, small uh, local breweries that have uh, a lot of pinball machines in them already. Uh, Helicon has some. Um, I think Hitchhiker has a couple of pinball machines. Uh, not the one next to me. Which one are you? Are... I'm, uh, I'm in the one north of the city. I'm in Sharpsburg. Oh, so. I thought there was pinball. I thought there was a couple. I thought I was in there one time. There was a giant monomics machine. Nope. Damn it. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. There's, there's definitely no, some some uh, helicon though. There, there's no proper or like large barcade like you see in, in Michigan or Ohio though around here for for various reasons. And it's it's a damn shame because they are a lot of fun. I want the um, that place we always go to in Columbus before the games that has some oversized ski ball and some some bowling made duck pin bowling that um that place in north shore across from burgatory is supposed to be like that oh is that open now uh, it's, just, that. it's yeah. like in the old uh, tilted kilt space i think right right yeah nice man we're... i don't know if it'd be exactly the same but i think that's the general idea it's worth giving it giving it a look that's fine Maybe go there before uh, heading over to Mike's Beer Bar for a Riverhounds watch party. Oh, I guess we'll have to yeah, that, make that happen at some point as well. Hashtag ad. Hashtag, hashtag ad. Hashtag tailgate zone. <laughs> Where's Torino? Where is? Well, we'll see if we get back on next week. He, we can give us his his full review of uh, of the tailgate zone, so he can pump it up as as much as like to. Uh, Vesta, you're not getting out of the question though. What the, what'd you learn the night? Well, I'm gonna. I, I did think about this, and um, I'm gonna be lame and uh, reuse an answer that is gonna play for three of us. Um, I learned that there's no surrendering in Detroit. That is correct. And I don't think we should explain that anymore. Nope. Absolutely not. Uh, yeah, I, I'm. I feel like I learned a lot today. Probably more than I I can. Uh, I can articulate in these last final dying moments of the episode. Um, so I'll just simply say that um, uh, education and personal growth is an important thing for everybody. How about that? Very mature. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Yak, we're going to let you get out here so you can uh, crack that. You, th you said you had a Guinness waiting for you? Uh, the first one's a Guinness. Who knows what happens after that one? Uh, look for a full report uh, on the uh, on the social medias later on. But with that said, we're going to like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Housey theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorek. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.